0: We think that school is the social thing um, and it it's taken so long for me to um, reprogram that mindset because I was a, um, a schooly type person and liked the routine, I liked the structure and just I thought my children would, would do the same things I did and liked it in the same way and then my children came along. <laughs>
1: Hi, and welcome to Home Education for All, or HEFA for short. At HEFA, we believe that community is the heart of home education, and so that's what we built. We built a community in the UK, helping, supporting, and uplifting each other to be the best home educators we can be. And now we're coming to you via this podcast, too. Stay tuned for all things home education in the UK via our amazing, experienced, knowledgeable and often hilarious team. We truly believe home education can be for everyone and we hope listening here will give you the confidence or knowledge you need if you've been considering home education. Let's dive in. Hello my friends. So this week in the podcast we are talking about socialization. That uh little word with big meaning. So when it comes to home education and socialization, um the the local authority, the government guidelines for um elective home education does have some quite clear thoughts on it. Um, So when it comes to the EHE guidelines for parents, um, there is a section in that um, guideline that says education may also not be deemed suitable if it leads to excessive isolation from the child's peers and thus impedes social development. It's very similar in the EHE guidelines for local authorities as well. Factors such as very marked isolation from a child's peers can indicate possible unsuitability. Suitable education is not simply a matter of academic learning, but should also involve socialisation. So socialization what do they mean by socialization so socialization's actual definition is around um, providing um, opportunities for a child to develop and grow their understanding of the society in which they live it doesn't mean socializing with other people it's um that's one element of it. But what they're primarily looking for is not just primary socialisation, which is with your family. So, um, you know, primary socialisation is very, very important. Um, it's the first type of socialisation that happens for a child, a baby, um, is their immediate family, their parents, their siblings, their grandparents, etc. And um, To be able to then um, expand out into an awareness of how your society works, um, do's and don'ts in your society, what what the culture of your society looks like, um, all of those kinds of things we tend to then explore outside of the family home. So the reason that all of this is important is because There is this ongoing misunderstanding around home education that home education happens in a home. It's obviously called home education and therefore um, it has this attachment, this idea um, that, you know, it can only happen inside the four walls of somebody's home, which is not accurate at all. If um, you're a home educator, you will know That, if anything, uh, home education most often happens outside of the home. But there is this pervasive continuing idea that home educators are isolated. Um, They are um, in their home, sat at a desk, doing sort of school at home, um, and then therefore they're missing out on social opportunities um, to spend time with their peers. Again, another word that needs definition. So when we're talking about peers, most commonly, the local authority and the government are talking about children, your child's own age. But this is not the only definition of peers. Peers are people who you have, um, you come from similar social backgrounds or um, cultural backgrounds. You um, have similar things in common. You're of a similar age. So it's not just age that accounts for when we're talking about children's peers. So what we're going to talk about today in the podcast is how socialising and socialisation looks very different in a home ed community. What I will say is that this is an important part of home education. And the reason that I say that is, you know, we can be quite blase about calling it a myth. Um, and, you know, there, there is a lot of weight to that right you know this idea that home ed children are isolated they don't see their peers they don't um, have the same opportunities uh, to socialize as children in school and to an extent they don't have the same opportunities my view is that they have better opportunities um, and they have socialization opportunities that better align to child development and human development um but From a LA perspective, from a governmental perspective, from the Department for Education, um, you know, they're going to view it as a very linear thing. Um, You know, children are within the family home for the first few years of their life. And then they go out into society um, in a school environment where they are taught the um, the way in which their society runs Um, and they then conform to that. And then they go out into the workforce and then they they understand how that society works, that version of society works. And then they they are workers. Right. Um, that's a very linear kind of view of socialization. And it doesn't actually match up with any anything we know um, psychology wise and child development wise about how humans socialize, um, how humans become um, social creatures and how humans um, are able to then uh, collaborate and, and work within a society together. What we what we actually know about um, child development is that um, the best way in which a child will develop a, a very clear and, and core understanding of society and how um, they work within society is having. Um, access to a range of different experiences. So having access to a range of different people of age. um, So by all means, having children your own age and then having children younger and older, um, having access to lots of different adults, um, having access to lots of different experiences in which um, society takes place. So, um, you know, being able to access uh, people of different culture, people of um, different ethnicities, um, people of different religions, all kinds of different um, experiences make up a really, really rich socialisation experience for a child. And that is not seen in great detail in a schooled environment. Essentially, what, what we're saying is that we're showing um you know children that that social skills are built in an environment where there is one adult and there are 30 people the same age as you this is not something that happens um at all after you leave school um the other thing that's really important for socializing and socialization social skills is um the ability to be able to deal with um difficulty right So things like um, dealing with conflict. So in a school environment, conflict is dealt with in a very top down approach. Um, You know, the the teacher or the head teacher or, or, you know, the the dinner ladies, whoever it is in an adult, from an adult perspective, will deal with the issue at hand. Um, Home ed children, on the other hand, have the opportunity to Um, have that that conflict resolution there is a much higher ratio of parents um, to children so in in a classroom environment you've got 30 children one teacher maybe a couple of um, TAs teaching assistants or learning assistants Um, in a home ed environment for example at a park meetup that we go to there's one parent for every um Every child, if that person, so I have two children that go to a park meetup, so that's a one to two ratio, right? Um, And what happens in the home ed environment is often um, number one, you're choosing to be there, which is a very different form of socialization. Um, And number two, when there are conflicts that arise, we're able to have the space, the time, and the patience to be able to help the children to work through it. To say that it's just a myth. Um is not as um, nuanced as it can be. There are families that do struggle um, with the amount of input required by parents to ensure that um, socialization can still happen. Um, it does need a much more active role from parents. Um, I can guarantee that the majority of parents who are home educators um, didn't even think about socialization as a as a term or understanding it or thinking about their part to play in it until they became home educators because it's it's not something that becomes a focus until uh, you're a home educator because of this this pervasive idea that home educators are within their home in their four walls not seen by anyone not doing anything outside of the home um the majority of home edders have a very rich um home ed community but it can be very difficult if you are home edding in an environment in a in a town or a village um that doesn't have a huge uh home ed community or you know you are um your you're restricted by public transport or not being able to drive not ha- not being able to afford a car um struggling to afford public transport all of those kinds of things can play a massive role in um how accessible uh social experiences are for your home-ed children so i don't want to say that you know it it's impossible that children can become isolated in the home ed environment it is a possibility Um, and it's not just as simple as parents having to put in the work regardless of how much work some parents are able to put into encouraging social experiences for their children there are you know factors involved that are outside of parent parental control We're going to talk to two parents who are very, very aware of exactly what I'm talking about. We have Katie and we have Diane today, um, both home ed parents, both um, coming from very different experiences. um, And I really, really enjoyed speaking to them about their experiences. So let's chat to our first guest, which is the wonderful Katie. Um, and uh, see what she's got to say on socialisation. Okay, so I have my first guest, which is the wonderful Katie. Hello, Katie.
0: Hello, everybody.
1: Hello. So um, Katie is one of our admin um, who has braved the podcast, finally.
0: (laughs) I am brave. I can do this.
1: And and so this on this podcast, we're talking all about that myth, socialisation, and you know, isolated, ghost, invisible children that the government seem to think we have. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, we don't do many things. Yeah. So yeah. Um, so when uh, we were we were talking just before I hit record, and I said you have to stop talking because this is really good. Uh, we need to record it. Um, so we were talking about what social is, what socialising
0: is, weren't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were starting to, defi- to define what social and socialisation is when usually before you started Home Ed and gone down that road, what we think it is. Yeah,
1: so, um, you know, when your kids are in school, you don't really even think about it, do
0: you? Not at all, No. We think that school is the social thing um, and it, it's taken so long for me to um, reprogram that mindset because I was a, um, a schooly type person and liked the routine, I liked the structure and just I thought my children would, would do the same things I did and liked it in the same way and then my children came along.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, I, I feel <laughs> you on that. <laughs> and uh yeah, so it it's it's a it's such a process, I think, and I don't think people realize how much of a process it is to undo and reframe your mindset according and socialization is obviously a huge one. what is social
1: yeah, so um you you wrote some notes, didn't you?
0: I did write some notes, I was a good girl, and I did my homework. <laughs>
1: So tell tell me more about what
0: your view of
1: socializing what social is in the in the kind of um sort of confines of home ed but also um what you've kind of understood more deeply about it since being home ed
0: Okay so I think probably a little bit of uh, background might might help so I've got a little girl who's 6 and she has something called selective mutism um, so, obviously, with that, social communication is a huge element of our, um, our home education journey. And it wasn't until she was in sort of nursery and started reception, that I started to kind of realise that she wasn't ticking the boxes, so to speak. But I couldn't quite understand why, because she was social at home, according to She was talking, she was doing everything, so... There started to be a bit of a sort of disjointed um, kind of, well, I don't understand going on. <laughs> um, so anyway, moving forward, um, once I started the med journey, I won't go into how it happened because that's a long kind of whole, whole kind of story um, that's, that's not unusual. But anyway, so social... <laughs> Um, for her, doesn't look like social for other six-year-old children because of her needs. So if I was to try and shoehorn her into this concept of mainstream social where you are around lots of children your age and you're doing lots of things and you're learning like um, atypical um, uh, six-year-olds are, she just shuts down completely and doesn't learn anything so I've had to go right back to basics and ask her what she needs. And she's verbally told me, I like small groups, I don't like it being loud, and I don't like too many people. I like playing with one or two girls. Um, and that is what her social needs are. Um so obviously, with bearing that in mind, if you look at a school context that it's never going to work, is it? Because you've got 30 children who are the same children, the same age and the same place. So she's not learning anything different. And there's no diversity or inclusiveness in that context either. It's the same people. And when she was in school, she would play with the same person, which they saw as a good thing because it means she's bonded with somebody. But I didn't because I saw a huge dependency on that one person and the other person spoke for her. So you're looking at that then. That's not very social, is it? Because she's not learning anything different. She's learning to depend on one person, which is then makes her hugely vulnerable to manipulation yes. and bullying and everything. So... Um, her social needs completely different, and then sort of what we do in terms of home ed, I've had to think, okay, what is social? What what is socialization? What does this mean? And I've really broke it down to realizing that actually social is pretty much any time you're seeing somebody, speaking to somebody, or something interacting with anybody and anything in any form so she's being social with me at home when she is talking in the environment that she's happy with when she's interacting with her brother when she's in even if she's kind of like <laughs> shouting at him, she's still socializing. Um, and then we have um our cat. So she is socializing in the context with the cat when she's looking after it and and um seeing if she like if it needs feeding or a treat or and then in a broader kind of um framework we, we go and see family. And I've got nieces who are 20 plus years old, so she's, she interacts really well with them. And my, my son is 17, so she interacts with people of that age, um, young adults, adults. And then in terms of actual home ed, we structured, but we don't do structured, but to, to make it easier to understand, we do um, soft play every week. And we go to the same soft play around the same time on the same day, and she will play with people there. They they have to be a certain type of person in a certain defined way, but she has played with children from the ages of like a baby because then she socializes via their mums, and all the way up to age nine, ten plus, and it all. But it's always in that one to one or one to two situation so she defines how she wants to socialize I just have to provide the resources and the opportunity for her to do that in the way that she feels comfortable with so we do gymnastics once a month as well that's a special SEN class and she's around other people then she doesn't really talk to anyone or interact Um, but again I don't think social has to be interaction in that way. It's being around people in different environments, in different situations. So we do a lot of going to the shops, different shops, different supermarkets. So she's watching me socialise because I think modeling is just so important um sort of people are starting to get a bit funny when she doesn't say please and thank you and whatever um but I just ignore them to be honest because it's I'm not really bothered um because she's watching me do all these um social niceties or whatever and I know in time she will when she feels ready embrace that too so I'm trying to teach her but not directly teach her. It's just modelling. And I think modelling is so important too. It really is. It really um, is. And it's um it's wonderful
1: to hear because um I think I think a lot of the myth comes from this idea, um, this this pervasive continuing idea, no matter what home editors do, that home education happens. Within the four walls of your home, and children mm. are isolated from yeah, other yeah. people, right? Yeah. Um. When actually, um, when we look at the, you know, the idea of of socialisation and and the the point of it, it's to learn, um, you know, how to be in society. Um, mm, in, the within huge your family scope of life, isn't it? All yeah. areas. Exactly. Within your family and also within your community and then outwards from there. And and actually home educators often have more of an opportunity as long Mm. as parents. uh, This this is important to note, as long as parents are um, able to facilitate and. Um, provide those opportunities there yeah, you know there is there is a possibility of home ed children becoming isolated if those mm. parents are not able to provide um you know those opportunities and and to get out there it's it's definitely um it has to be a conscious present thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, but I think also bearing in mind that obviously some children have got trauma um, and, and issues that have have impacted their ability to to function almost. But it's a balance. It's obviously there is a fine balance of okay. I know you need to heal, but let's. It's, I think this is where the child led comes into into play. It's 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 got to come from what your child needs and look at them, yes. talk to them. And and if they say, oh, do you know what? I, I, Okay, I can go to the supermarket, but I need to go at midnight because it's quiet yep. and there's no one there. You're, it, where possible, I know that's not always possible, but you can try and facilitate that. Because a lot of people who have um, become overwhelmed with life or if they're neurodivergent or even if they're not, they they like sort of to to be able to control these situations, don't they? So if that's what it takes to get them to be social, then pop along to Tesco's at six o'clock in the morning or whatever. And they will so, still learn something. They may not see yes. 50 people, but they're still and they're still interacting. And eventually in time, when you're meeting those needs, I think most people will find, um, they branch out and go, hmm, actually, I think I'm ready to go at 10 o'clock now. Let's see how it goes. And that may not work. And then you go back a few steps and go, hmm, okay, let's try again. Let's try something different. But I think that's it. It's back and forth. And there's no, like, defined, okay, you can do this, this, and this, and this will work. It's a constant, like, okay, let's backtrack. That didn't work. Let's see how we can do it differently. But school doesn't allow that. You can't do that. There's got to be that prescribed way. Yeah. And that's the joy of home ed. So you can go, OK, let's let's see what else works. Exactly.
1: I, I remember very clearly, Um, you know, my one of mine, um, the first one to become home ed is now 14, nearly 15. Um, But when they came out, they were six and it took three years of, attending the same um sports session every week Mm. um and you know to start with we just went in the car and we sat in the car and we watched um and then that moved on to um, getting out of the car and watching and then that moved on to uh, and it might have gone back a step because yeah. someone shouted or or did yeah. something loud and he wasn't okay with that mm. you know it went back and forward but by the time we were kind of three years in um, you know he he was joining in um, mm. you know and I paid I paid every week um, you know for him to attend because I needed it to be an invitation yeah. Um, for him to to do it if he felt able, mm. and it it took time and it took trust that yeah. I wouldn't force
0: him into
1: a position. It's quite surprising how
0: would... long it can take, isn't it? Too. Yeah. And I think that's like, like you said, three years. And but some people are thinking, well, actually, if I let them just do what they want for two weeks, it'll be okay. Yeah.
1: Right. It it took a <laughs> long time, and and
0: um, you know.
1: But every week I saw something new happen, you know. He he was accumulating skills. Exactly. And, you know, this is now the kid, by the way, who, you know, pops out to the shops on his own. He's got situational mutism and he pops out to the shop on his own and um, buys buys stuff, chats to staff, you know, all kinds of things. Um, But only when it's his... His choice to do that. If I was to mm. say to him, can you please go to the shop for me? That might not end well. But when when he's going to the shop and I say, oh, can you grab this for me? Because you're going. It tends to work absolutely fine. Oh, um, yeah. You know, it, it's it's been such a when you look at the, the time span of six to 14, it sounds like a massive length of time, but it's gone so quickly Mm. And I still can't believe that that six-year-old who couldn't get out of the car
0: mm. is
1: now this this 14-year-old popping to the shop and, and saying, oh, you know, I spoke to that lovely lady again in, in Sainsbury's. <sighs> She's mm. so nice. And she told me to tell you how you should be really proud of me because I'm so lovely. Um, and things like that. Mum feels. <laughs> and, yeah, completely. Complete mum
0: feels. Um
1: but yeah it, it takes a lot longer than 2 weeks for some kids
0: yeah and i think if you if you go back to sort of the definition of um, socialization that would just not be on the radar at all to do something like that i mean going no. to a supermarket is a well, how is that social you know how how does that define socialization but if if you again if you step away from that mentality of 30 people having to do the same things in the same environment you you just have to you can't it doesn't it doesn't work that's why I think de-schooling is so important isn't it because you have to stop thinking in terms of though what what does social look like um okay it's, it's 30 children sat down with the one adult talking and it, it just it is not going to correlate with uh, with um, home education thinking because it just doesn't work. And also, what's really interesting is that it also
1: doesn't work after you leave school. So, yes, yeah, I'm noticing you know,
0: actually. Interesting with um, my my eldest, who um, he, he's happened to change his skill set since he's left school into the college world. And he's having to relearn and learn new social skills because the ones that were taught to him in his, it was a SEND school, but in that context, it's it's not transferring, so he's having to relearn them all again anyway. And there is me thinking, I really wish I home educated him from from um, year seven too, because he would have I could have just done this myself. Yeah, right. <laughs> but I, I didn't know what I know now, and I was filled with the the usual fears of I am not good enough, I can't teach, I can't do that. How would how can I teach uh, at GCSEs and um, blah blah blah? And um, I didn't know then, so. You live and learn. You do live and learn. Thank you, <laughs> Katie. No so problem. For... Have, have I gone over time? <laughs> we always, we always go over time. I can talk it... forever.
1: <laughs> so could I on home ed, and I absolutely love speaking to all of our home edders on this podcast because it really does give such a rich um, feel to To actually hear the experiences of others, rather than just sort of
0: one or two voices. Yeah, sort of. definitely. And we're all so different, but there are there are those those rules that you can follow in terms of, like, you know, the guidelines and whatever you have to follow. Um, <laughs> so if you've got that as your basic foundation, yes, of course you do need to do those and understand them. But it's also understanding we are all so different that we can learn so much from each other, I think. And we're all winging it. We can. (laughs) None of us know what we're doing, really. We just sound like we do. We're all winging it. (laughs) That's my philosophy. Thank you for speaking to me. Yes, me too.
1: Me too. Winging it. Thank you so much (laughs) for joining us. No worries. And I'm going to move on to our next guest now, uh, which is Diane. So, we have my second guest, which is the lovely Diane, um, who doesn't live far from me, which is really nice. Um, Hello, Diane. Good morning. Good morning. So, um, on this podcast, we are talking all about socialisation, socialising, this whole um, sort of idea that... um, you know, home ed children are, are very isolated and stuck in in their own four walls, and all of these kinds of mm-hmm. sort of um, things that we see on the media a lot about home ed kids, right? Yes. And um and you have um a really interesting experience that you've had to go through recently, um that meant that I really wanted to talk to you. So do you want to tell us a little yes. bit about your um
2: your journey? So my twelve-year-old, um, we struggled to get him into full-time education for about four years. Uh, during the infant school phase, he was fine. Really started to struggle towards the end of year two. Um, by the time it came to year three, um, he was he was just curling up into a ball in the foot of the, the footwell of the car um, and crying, and just t- just didn't want me. I was having to drag him in, in and into school. At which point we were about six weeks into year three and I just said to myself one morning, I'm not going to do this to you anymore. So we took him out of school for a year and home ed. And then I did manage to find another school, a primary school local. Um, Lovely little place, lovely setting, small, you know, small groups, small classrooms, um, good teacher to pupil ratios. But it just... It, it kind of came to light eventually after two years of trying um, that. So he made his way through doing half days and, and then it went into secondary school um, into year seven. Um, again, he was only managing half days and probably only about three days a week. And then it all just, he started to completely unravel. I mean, just a bit of background on Tyler. So he was diagnosed with ASD when he was seven. And um, he also has SP uh, sensory processing disorder, obsessional compulsive disorder and um, severe anxiety, which he takes medication for. Um, and it's just, you know, all of those things under that umbrella that affect him. But to meet him, he's an incredible boy. He's, he's, He's funny, he's witty, he's intelligent, he's um and he's a real social bunny. He he's very sociable. Um and I was a little bit sort of worried, but as soon as so we took him out in March last year, and I went straight into looking for outside clubs, group gatherings, various sort of places that he can go and meet other kids. So uh we do flip out, which is in Eastleigh, you probably know of. He absolutely loves going there. We always meet lots of other home-ed kids and he started to make friends with some of them. Um, he does, during the summer term, he does sailing. We we are in Limington, obviously on the coast. So we have a lot of sailing. We're a sailing family. Um, his dad's a skipper. So he's had lots and lots of experience on yachts and sailing dinghies and so forth. And so that's a real passion for him. Um, and he's come up the ranks quite well to the point now that this year he will be taking newbies out on dinghies and teaching them to dinghy sale. Um, so in terms of when you say about the social side of things, no, um, it, it, it is a big myth. He has more friends now than he did whilst we were trying to force him to go to school. Um, we get as soon as three o'clock comes, about 3.15, 3.20, the dog goes crazy because the front door doesn't stop going. And it's one kid after another. Is Tyler coming out? It's Tyler coming out? He's a bit of a fair weather boy. So if the weather is a bit bit pants and they still come knocking on the door, I quite often will say, OK, you can have up to two in. I won't have too many. Um, and then they'll come in and they'll play on the Xbox or they'll go and hang out in his room and chat and watch TV and stuff. Um, so, yeah, big myth. <laughs> Big myth
1: and yes. and what 's really wonderful to hear is um you know this was this was a child that was um you know really really struggling to attend a mainstream setting he was um you know not able to form um friendships and relationships with people because of that right because of this underlying yeah. constant um struggle to to be able to attend in the first place and you know all of those kinds of things and and now that 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 stress on top of everything that he's got going on has been taken away he's able to refocus his energy right on on all of those wonderful
2: relationships that he has got and and can build exactly i mean he's um i mean bless him he's he'll be 13 in may He's tiny. Um, he is seeing a paediatrician. He's about to go through tests for, um, to see if there are any growth issues because he hasn't, um, he hasn't grown for nearly three years. Um, so when he is with these friends and they're all the same age, they, they just tower over him. But he's got such a big personality. It doesn't matter um you know he gets the girls the girls are after him he, he you know he doesn't have any problems with the girls <laughs> and um so you know as i said the the amount of health issues that he was having mental health issues um you know he was a shell of himself he was it was heartbreaking to see how bad he'd got. And he would spend, I'd drop him off in the morning at the secondary school, so year seven. Um, and they have a place called the hub, which is for children who like to have a quiet place to go and chill out and relax. And um, they can continue their learning there if they need to. It's, you know, constantly manned by somebody. Um, and he would go in there and lock himself in the toilet. Um and so one day I got a call. I dropped him off at quarter to nine as usual and I got a call at about 11 o'clock and they said, is, you know, where, where is he today? And I said, he's at school. And so there was this pause where I said, have you checked the toilet? And they were like, oh, well, no, we hadn't thought of that. I thought, well, of course you haven't. You know, they don't. It, it, it's taken you this long to notice he's not there. Um, at which point uh, they did come back and said, yes, he's in there. I said, okay, fine, I'm going to come and get him. And I never took him back. That was the end of it for me. I was just, I thought, I can't do this to him. Um, so we spent a, probably, I suppose, a, we spent a couple of months just completely de-schooling, let, letting him de-escalate um, and just kind of get his, gather his marbles again and kind of just, f- just figure himself out. And he's just gone on in leaps and bounds and um interestingly um because my other 10 year old also is ASD and we've just been informed that he didn't get the place that we wanted for year seven and he is currently still in school and actually he enjoys school yeah but that is again it's a small setting it's the same the the small uh, primary school that Tyler went to and um so I I said to, you know, my husband earlier in the week, I said, look, if we cannot find the right setting, then we will be, because he also has an EHCP, I will be applying for an EOTIS for him as well. And I would just homeschool them both because I've seen how they can thrive, how much fun they have and socialising and the friends yeah. that they've got. Yeah.
0: So
1: um, for those of you who just heard an unfamiliar term, EOTIS, um, we will be having an entire podcast episode about EHCPs and EOTIS. Um, so look out for that one. It's in March. Um, we're not okay. going to talk more about it now because it's a it's it's
2: a, an entire subject. Um, but I oh believe me, it's a minefield. It's yeah. You, it, the, I think they make it difficult on purpose. But we'll go there. Um, Obviously, you'll you'll cover that at a different time.
1: We might invite you back, Diane, um, to chat about your experience with that. I'm more than
2: happy to. Thank you so much
1: (laughs) for um, sharing your experience of um, this whole kind of myth around socialising and socialisation when it comes to home ed kids. Um, It is really important for our community to be able to hear from each other um, and on how this all works for for everybody.
2: Um, so thank you so much for sharing. Okay, yeah, you're very welcome. It was lovely to speak to you.
1: It was lovely to speak to you as well. Thank you so much. So I'm going to end this podcast um, with a little bit more information on what different types of socialisation can look like the reason that I want to do this is because we covered with our guests lots of different ways in which we can go out and meet other people we can be a part of the home ed community and from the wider community things like um the the sailing community and and all kinds of things like that but something we haven't mentioned is the uh online community so um We have to look at socialisation not only in terms of what we view it as, but also in terms of the future world that our children are growing up in. Um, I mean, it's the present world for us and uh, many of us struggle with it um, if we were you know, not brought up in the in the same way that our children have been. Our children have grown up in a world where technology is everywhere and in everything, and many of us didn't. So that can be difficult to kind of um resolve in our own minds that, you know, um online stuff can also be a social aspect of a rich environment. But for many home edders and many children, in the world it is so especially in the western world um you know children who go to school also have a very rich online social life um home ed children can have a very rich online social life um and those shouldn't be discounted just because they're not physical in person so for example i have um children who love to game And they have some really wonderful friends that they play uh, gaming with. I also have a child who goes to school who also has a very rich gaming life and um, plays with people from all over the world. They are getting an experience of other people's cultures. They are getting an experience of how the social world works in the online world as well, which is the world that we're moving into um, in terms of of the society the culture the jobs and all of those kinds of things that your children will grow up to be a part of um, so when we're looking at those guidelines those ehe guidelines on you know ensuring that your child has access to lots of social opportunity um we shouldn't be discounting online opportunities as well um and i don't only mean online classes for example um i'm talking about the opportunity uh to to game with another person my um my son only games with uh people that he knows um in person currently um he's he's 9 so um it's about making sure that he has social opportunities that are safe for him online but his friends and he will have a video call um, where they will be um, video calling with each other while all of them are playing the same game together and they're collaborating and working together on that game. Um, they're they're navigating the same kinds of things that they would navigate in person. For example, someone gets bored of the game and doesn't want to play anymore. So, you know, do we all stop playing the game or does that person just stop playing? You know, all of these kinds of collaborative um things that come up when you're playing or experiencing an experience with somebody else um, my older child plays with um people not only that he's met in person but also who he has met online um and again that is um closely monitored um by me as a parent and it's it's absolutely beautiful to see him really flourishing um, he has a, a Minecraft server that he plays um, with a set group of people and they are working towards something together as a community. Um, he also has uh, stuff to do with a different server um, that they're also working towards and together as a community. And things come up, arguments happen, um, disagreements happen, debates happen, all of those kinds of wonderful things that we would also expect in a real real world Um, person to person in person experience so we also have to consider that when the local authority is looking at socialization they're often also looking at it from a very neurotypical perspective Um, we have a a very wide range of people in the home ed community and quite a few of those people are neurodivergent Um, and for for various reasons school did not work for them, Um, you know, the the kind of environment wasn't suitable to their needs, so we would then not expect them to um, socialise in the same ways that was expected in a school environment. Some people are also introverts, they don't enjoy spending lots of time with lots of people and instead they prefer to develop deep and long lasting friendships with a couple of people. Some people are complete extroverts, and they love to, um, you know, be out of the house seeing someone every, you know, various people every single day. And they, they have lots of acquaintances that they form lots of good bonds with, but they don't necessarily have, um, you know, any, any really close friendships. Um, What I'm pointing out is that um, there is no one one size fits all. Just as school is not one size fits all, home ed is not one size fits all, nor is the, the social experience of your children. Um, it should not be presumed that a child is unhappy or not developing their social skills or not developing how um, they fit into society if they are someone who prefers to spend less time around other people their age we also cannot discount things like um extended family members um real world experiences such as dealing with um buying things at the shop cashier's the post office the postman um you know chatting to builders that are working on your home um there are there are so many different ways in which your child will experience society um and I'm just asking that we don't discount um, ones that maybe aren't as preferable to us in our in our old age of feeling like, you know, everything has to be in person, um, not text or, you know, video call or online chats. Um, These are all valid. These are all beautiful expressions of, um, you know, human beings connecting with each other and learning how How all of that fits together and works. So yeah, that's it for this week. Um, If you have any questions, if you have any uh, anything you'd like to share, um, anything that you um, are not sure about, then you can find us out on the Heifer website, Home Ed for All. You can find us on Facebook. We have a business page and also a uh, Facebook group that has just recently. Um, ended up with 20,000 home educators in it, which is rather wonderful. So yeah, we, we're we all over the place. You can find us and you can chat to us um, about anything you need to. So until I see you next week, take care.